Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Dragons Oriole podcast. My name is Pete Jones and let's start off. We've got some call-ins about the uh, latest episodes. So uh, first off, uh, let's start with Carl. Hey Pete, I don't know if you field questions, but I did have one after your uh, review of of uh, Adventures in Middle-Earth 5e. So what do you think is a big difference between that and Vanilla 5? I thought something interesting that came to mind, especially because it seems to be um, expected, is the long rest and the use of the fatigue mechanics. Um, it's very interesting that during a journey you cannot use a long rest and you're basically harrowed that would not sit well with a lot of gaming tables who are used to, oh man, we get beat up, we're almost dead, we're down to like one hit point, let's take a nap for a long time, and we wake up and we're all healed up. So very interesting. That's a question I had. Take care. Yeah, thanks for that, Carl. Yeah, the, that is a big difference to the 5e rules. And I think it fits in really well with the theme because in the Lord of the Rings and, and Hobbit books, um, journeying was a, a big part of the, the whole adventure. And yes, it, it is jarring for players coming from 5e. Um, and I'm going to talk uh, more in the episode about my experience from last Thursday's game. But the other big difference I think that uh, they've done with the adventures in Middle-earth over the 5e book is the plugins they've added in. So your journeys, uh, your audiences... Uh, those have those make a, a real big difference um, to the feel of the game and give it a, a lot more um, flavour for Middle Earth, as well as taking out the magic. I'm going to touch more on this in the main topic. Um, so if you carry on listening, Carl, I will answer those questions. The next uh, call in we have got is from Jason. Hey Pete, Jason here. Just want to let you know, good overview of Adventures in Middle Earth. I hesitate to to run out and buy copies of an added production game that may or may not be reproduced. Free League has been kind of, you know, hesitant. They said they're definitely doing the One Ring first. And that I've seen posts about legal problems with Cubicle 7. So when they come out with a 5e Middle Earth thing, it might not be the same game at all. It might not even be called the same thing. So I, I wonder. Now, that might be out of date, that information I have. Just quick internet search. So we'll see. Um I don't know, as far as, you know, I mean, obviously, 5e is simple, so people should know how to play it, but, you know, there are a lot of people that, that don't support Wizards of the Coast, and a lot of people that don't, you know, want to play 5e, and play other games, so it's kind of low to attack people who don't play 5e, but, you know, it's your show, you can do that, so, anyhow, look forward to your next episode. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, if you don't want to support uh, Wizards of the Coast, that's fine, you just download the free, um, SRD rules, the basic rules, which are completely free, and you can play Adventures in Middle-Earth completely with the basic rules and the Adventures in Middle-Earth books, so you don't have to spend a penny on Wizards of the Coast if you don't want to. And I haven't bought any of the uh, player's guides or the GM's manuals for 5e. I'm running it completely from the basic rules, the uh, PDF. Um, as far as what's going on with Free League, the last video I saw, which was about a month ago, um, the guys did say, yes, the, the One Ring is being updated for the uh, Free League. 
and they've definitely mentioned on that that they are going to continue with the 5e version Adventures in Middle-earth although they have said that they're going to do some tweaks to it because there's a little bit of imbalance uh, the main one that I'm aware of is with the Slayer class the Slayer class basically took the Barbarian took the Barbarian race but didn't take the negatives of it so they are going to tweak that but they've definitely said that they are going to continue with the 5e versions I think that's probably a wise decision because that is their biggest uh, earner from it so we'll wait for more updates on that and the final call in for today's show is from my old mucker John Allenarge Hey there Pete, it's John from Red Dice Diaries here. Just started listening to your Adventures in Middle-Earth episode and you're talking about the new logo. Obviously I've seen it before and we chatted a bit about it, but just wanted to say it. I think it looks really cool, very striking. It's got the name there sort of front and centre, so if you're scrolling through your list of podcasts on your like, podcatcher, it's easy to see which podcast it belongs to and it really jumps out with that strong sort of monochrome feel to it and as you know because we chatted about it that inspired me to have like a slight retweak of the logo design for my own podcast so i just wanted to say thank you very much for providing the impetus of that nothing uh, of vital import so i just want to say really like the look of the new logo and the new music's pretty cool as well so i'm gonna get back to listening to the episode dude take care and i'll catch you soon yeah thanks for that call in john yeah, as John said, uh, he gave me a lot of advice on the uh, rebranding of the logo. I had several uh, designs which I put out to um, the listeners to see which, the, they, which they chose. And they chose the current logo. And then John has got a, a background in art. I think, he, if I remember rightly, he did a, a degree in art. Um, so John was very uh, helpful in giving me some uh, sort of clues on how to improve the logo add the uh, the 3d bevel to it um so that uh, really enhanced so thanks for that uh, john and as for the music oh you wouldn't believe how many copyright free um tunes i went through trying to get the uh, the right tune for the uh, channel but uh i settled on this one and i'm pretty happy with it so uh let's get on to the main subject So last week I had session one of my new Adventures in Middle-Earth game. Um, for the first adventure, I used the Eaves of Mirkwood scenario. Uh, this came in a small bundle where it had a Lawmaster screen, one scenario in it with some pre-gen characters. And looking on the, uh, the Reddits and the, the forums, a lot of people suggested this is an ideal first scenario to get players into the game. And it was designed to bring new players into playing adventures from Middle-earth. All my players, uh, all five of them, had created their characters. They decided to be a company of dwarves who were all veterans of the Battle of the Five Armies. And... The year set was five years after that battle following the uh, advice set in the main player's handbook. I ran it all in Foundry, which at the moment is the virtual tabletop that I prefer to use. Um, I've got quite good with it now, so I'm quite comfortable running it. There is a module um, to convert the 5e system into Adventures from Middle-Earth. It's not on the main page or list of the modules. Um, it's on a fan site. But it works pretty well. It gets rid of the spellcasters tab because the players don't have access to magic. It converts the money just to 
silver and copper and gold, getting rid of electron pieces, etc. And it gets rid of the skills that we no longer need, like religion and arcana, and adds the new force skills required for it. So it's a nice simple plugin and it works flawlessly. Now, what I had also done was I'd also purchased all of the music from the six films. That's the three Hobbit films and the three Lord of the Rings films. And you can, um, with Foundry, you can stream the music and playing that music throughout the game at a certain points, like in the introduction and when they're on their journeys, really added to the flavour of the, the, the whole adventure. Now, I want to mention the books, the adventures and the campaign books. I have found that these are some of the best adventure books I've ever read. Um, you can tell that the authors are all fans of Middle Earth, but the writing is really well done. And what I, I really uh, like about it is that it, it breaks it into sections. And it, even in the um, introduction scenario, it uses cut down versions of the uh, the journey and the audience rules um, so that you can get a feel of the the new rules. The campaign books, what they also do as well is in the core books, you've, if you're going on a journey, it's got uh, specific events that happen throughout the journey. Well, what happens in all the campaign books, they tailor these results to the specific adventure. So it sort of really hones it in on the adventure you're playing as opposed to being more generic. And that gives a really good feel for the adventure you're playing. What it also meant for the campaign that I'm running is there was a lot more role play in it than there was that we had in our previous uh, horde of the Dragon Queen and Lost Minds of Fandelver. Uh, I made a conscious decision that I wanted to put a bit more role play in it and get a bit away from the combat because we have been combat heavy over the last few campaigns. The adventure started off with the players having to plan a journey. And this is something that doesn't quite often happen in games. Usually they want to get from point A to point B and you might roll a couple of encounters on the way. But with the adventure's uh, rules, there is a lot more to it than that. Um, the players have to set a guide, some scouts, a lookout. Um, they've all got specific roles on the journey. Uh, so there's a, a big discussion amongst the players how they're going to, uh, what each of the roles is going to be. Then they plan their journey on the map. They use a player's map, which is different to the GM's map. And on Foundry, uh, although we're looking at the same map, we've got different layers. So the map they're looking at is different from the one I've got. Uh, and they plan their journey. And the books give a lot of nice hints that while they're on the journey, uh, what sort of uh, things they see. And again, it's all much tied into the books, um, giving helping with the tropes of the genre. The random events that uh, are peppered through it, they give a nicer flavour. And uh, through some lucky, some lucky rolls, uh, the players actually met uh, Radagast on their journeys uh, on the road and had a, a nice interaction with him. And that was fun to play as the GM. And the uh, players really loved that, you know, actually meeting someone famous from the books uh, on the road in passing. Then there we had a, a combat encounter the levelling is exactly the same as it is in 5e, so there's, there's no differences there. But the 5e rules, because we've been playing it for so long now, and obviously play, playing D&D since the early 80s, um, the system sort of really gets out of the way. You know, we're just, Everybody knows what they're doing, and so we don't even have to think about the system at all. But um, as Carl mentioned in his call-in, 
uh, things like exhaustion do really count now, uh, which they don't really do so much in the 5e rules. It's sort of it's one of those things that people gloss over. But here, um, you're picking up exhaustion on, on the road, and my players did that, and half the company suddenly have exhaustion, which gives them disadvantage to all ability throws, ability rolls, and that makes a big difference. So exhaustion is, is a big thing, and, and quite rightly so in, in Middle-earth. The combat uh, ran smoothly, and the scenario was that, uh, spoiler alert here, um, in the Eaves of Mirkwood they meet a company of dwarves. And as they were dwarves, we had a great uh, session where, after they rescued these dwarves, we had a party night, and uh, they were drinking ale, and every time they uh, had a drink of ale, I noted it down, one of the players quickly decided that he was going to drink ale, that he should probably stay sober. While the rest of them really got into it and were like seven or eight pints in. Uh, then we had a riddle contest and these were set up with some random tables that uh, the players could roll on to get a riddle. And then we had some guessing games with that. And then the, sort of, the culmination of the evening was the uh, a smoke ring, um, blowing smoke rings, which is a, a dwarven uh, game where they... If you think about the films when um, Gandalf does his smoke ring and he does a dragon, well, it's basically, it's a DC check, and you pick how hard you're going to, uh, how hard a sort of smoke ring you're going to blow, and the harder you go for, the higher DC rating. So you can go for like a, a simple ring, or you can go for a growing ring, or a shrinking ring, or if you're going all out, you go for the dragon. So we had a lot of fun with that, with the players and the NPCs deciding um, how hard they would go with the with the dragon. And there was cheers when somebody actually pulled off blowing a, a dragon smoke ring. So that was a lot of fun. Um, then the, everybody uh, had their food. And then we had a, a sing-song around the campfire. And for that, I played the uh, the Lonely Mountain song from The Hobbit. Um so and we had a couple of the players actually knew the lyrics so they were joining in with that so yeah that role play was a lot of fun uh, and then of course uh, we had watches set through the night and uh, those who had uh, drunk consumed a lot were going to do a constitution roll to see if they stayed awake in the night and the second player in failed his constitution roll and fell asleep and hilarity broke out when they were all captured um and I'm not going to say any more of the story because that might spoil it for anybody who wants to play Eves of Mirkwood. Now, I have to say that all the players were really invested in the game. We're all big Lord of the Rings and Hobbit fans. So uh, every man to a T, and yes, it is all guys playing, um, knew the lore very well. So they all sort of slipped into it very easily and all sort of ran with it. And the whole session ran really quickly. It's, I, was, I was surprised at how quickly four hours actually flew by. Uh, we were all so en engrossed in the game. And as I said before, these um, new plugins for 5e really do capture a flavour. And after the end of the session, we had a bit of a debrief um, to see how it went. And everybody said that they thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, it gave a, they were all surprised at um, how uh, much of a feeling they had from Middle Earth. And I think it helps with the sort of uh, the stuff that's given you in the campaign books to, for the GM to throw in. I mean, I had done an awful lot of work prepping for this uh, because I was just so engrossed with it. Um, but there is so much advice in the books, sort of, um, descriptions and, and that sort of thing. The, uh, the only downside is that you've got to 
input all the monsters but uh, there is a tetracube importer where if you go to the tetracube website you can uh, do your 5e monsters uh, export as markdown and then quickly import that into foundry which is the way i did it so it does save some time and i used the uh, wonderful uh, paper forge pog um, pogs for tokens they are really nice um, i've recently subscribed to their patron and they've got some really nice looking art on that so the players really um said it, it gave it a real good feel for middle earth um they're all buzzing and i must admit after the game i was up for a couple of hours later i mean we didn't finish till 11 o'clock at night but for about two hours after i was sort of so buzzing with after running the games i enjoyed it so much so um ready for the for the next adventure so overall i th think that this is probably the best fantasy game i've played because certainly i i know the, the the setting very well and i've always wanted to do since reading the hobbit back when i was in my teens it's like a setting that i've always wanted to play in and although we had um rpgs like merps and that i just found them so heavy and and hard work but with the the D, &D bones which we all know so well now we haven't got to think about the uh, adventures in middle earth is a real good um set of rules and I certainly highly recommend them. I've noticed the prices are starting to creep up a bit now on the old eBay um, because it's out of print and they did a humble bundle just before uh, Cubicle 7 lost the old the, um, the rights. I've got them all on PDF, but the books are so um, well presented that I've actually bought every single one of the books now in hard book form. Um, that's just so nice, so tactile, and very well printed, good quality. The writing is good and they're really enjoyable read. Um, I've read through all the um, Player's Guide and the Lawmaster's Guide. I've, I've read every page because it's just so well put together. So I'm really looking forward to continuing the campaign. No spoilers here because I know a couple of my players may listen to this podcast. So um, yeah, um, Adventures Middle Earth was a big hit. Sorry a bit for a bit of a gushing over this uh, uh, episode. I had planned to do a review, but I just felt I had to get my thoughts out about Adventures Middle-Earth. So thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I look forward to reading some more for my players. So that's all for this episode. If uh, you want any more information, go to the website, petejones.neocities.org, which has got links to the blog, the podcast, and everything else. If you want to send me an email, then send an email at dragonsarerealpodcast at pm.me. And all I've got to say is I'll see you all on the flip side. <laughs>